Good morning, church. Am I on? Am I good? Good morning, church. ¿Cómo están todos? Amen. En victoria. Are you guys, are you guys excited? Can I get, let me, let me see your hand if you're excited. Let me see your hand if you love Jesus. I love, I love participation. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Now, you do forgive me. I'm looking at the clock and I, and I understand that there's another service that's going to be coming in here shortly, right? So, I know that we have to rush out of here in time. Uh, I promise you I'm going to be around after service. We're going to, my wife and I are going to hang out a little bit. If you want to talk, if you want to ask some questions, um, please hang around. Feel free to do so. Um, like you, I hope, I am anxious to get into the Word of God. And I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of transitions. Anybody know what that's like? Transitions. Coincidentally, although God knows all things, right, Vet? We actually tossed that word around this morning quite a few times during our prayer session. Remember that? Transitions. This church is currently experiencing a transition. And transitions are not always comfortable. They're not always pain-free. In fact, most of the time, transitions are extremely painful. It's as if God is tearing us apart when we go through transitions. Transitions can be easily defined as the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. And this church finds, them, finds itself this morning, or this season, at least the season of the life of this church, going through a transition. And I understand it to be a relatively painful transition. I know it. Uh, this is actually my third trip here. We were here in August, and we were also here in October. And I am acutely aware. I am aware of some of the difficulties that you guys have been experiencing as a church. But let me submit to you this morning that God is present in this church. Amen, somebody? It doesn't matter what it seems like in the church here this morning. It doesn't even matter whether so-and-so is here any longer or not, or these individuals have somehow transitioned away, or this pain or that pain. It just doesn't matter. God is in this place, and I believe it is imperative for you and I, as a people of God, to understand that God has never left us. God has a net, or rather, I gotta make it personal to you. God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. God is intimately involved in your affairs. God knows exactly what you are dealing with. In fact, I'll go a little further as to say that God is responsible for what you are experiencing as a church. Amen, somebody. God knows exactly <clears throat> what is happening. We often ask ourselves, why do bad things happen? To good people. Lord, why is it that we are a congregation that has been committed to you for, for so long? And why is it that we are somehow finding ourselves in this predicament? And, and more often than not, as God's people, yes, as God's people, we actually see the negative side of things. We can be quite pessimistic at times. And that's because we are finite. We have this, this limited perspective about us. We don't always understand what God is doing. And certainly God does not give us a backstage pass to see what it is He's doing behind the scenes. Lord, what is the reason for this madness that we find ourselves in? Why are we experiencing this painful transition? 
Why are you, why are you somehow uprooting us? transplanting us? Why are we going through the situation that we're going through? I'm a child of God. Why is this happening to me? You can consider this message today corporately, or you can consider it on an individual basis. Lord, I'm a child of God, and I've been serving you for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years. Lord, I've been faithful to you. I've been, I've been tithing. I've been offering. Lord, I've been sacrificing. I've been, I've been, I've, I've involved myself, Lord God, in this process called sanctification. I've, I've devoted my heart to you. I've devoted my life to you. I've certainly devoted my family to you. Why am I going through this ordeal? Why am I going through this painful process? Why, Lord, why? Did you know that it's not a negative thing to, to ask why? It's not about Because sometimes I find myself asking God why. Not because I am somehow disconnected with the process or somehow I am no longer acknowledging or respecting His sovereignty over my life. Because there hasn't been a moment in my life for a very long time where I have questioned the sovereignty of God. I just don't do that. I understand that He is infinite. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. Somehow, some way, I have, I have to wrap my mind around the reality that God is in control. In the midst of the problem, God is in control. Amen, somebody. And what a difficult task that is. Especially when so many are impacted at the same time. Transition. The transition that you guys are experiencing as a church. The purpose of this lesson or this message this morning is to better understand God's purpose in our lives during difficult circumstances. That's the purpose. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Ruth chapter 1. Book of Ruth is after Judges, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. When you find it, can you please stand with me? Let us give reverence to God this morning. Ruth, chapter 1. I'll give you a moment. I know some of you are still thumbing through your Bibles. And I trust God is going to speak to your heart this morning. The title is Transitions. Transitions. Still hear the pages. If you have it, say amen. Look with me to verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 17. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. The two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah 
and the other a woman named Ruth. And about ten years later, both Malon and Chilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another, of another marriage. <clears throat> then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. <clears throat> but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to stand before your people this morning. Lord, my desire is to be faithful. My desire is to be a good steward. My desire is to communicate publicly what you've revealed to me in secret. Father, you know more than I what your people are dealing with here, nor what Grace Brethren Church. You know exactly the pain they are experiencing, Lord God. Father, I pray that you use me as a vessel this morning, and I pray that you convey to me, Lord God. I need you this moment, Holy Spirit, to refresh my mind, to, to, to remind me, Lord God, all those wonderful truths and those wonderful principles, Heavenly Father, that you revealed to me so tenderly, Lord God, during my personal time with you. Your people need to hear from you, not from me, Lord God. Speak clearly. Speak Clearly, this morning, to your people. Father, I thank you for this. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I somehow got the <clears throat> bug. <clears throat> this is a... This is a wonderful story about two women who find themselves, found themselves in a very precarious 
situation. They were, in effect, in transition. Just like you this morning. Just like you as a community of believers, but also equally just like you as individuals. Because I know that we all have our share of difficulties. I think if we took the opportunity to open a microphone and to give you, each and every one of you, an opportunity to express yourself about the difficulties that you are experiencing in life, there would not be enough time this day to allow, to allow for everyone's sharing time. Right or wrong? We are all somehow involved in a transition. This story has to do about two women and their assignment. I put it that, like that because in their minds, while they were going through the predicament, while they were going through their, their circumstances, their difficulties, they had no clue that, ha- that God has something powerful in store for them. We're going to get to that in a few moments. They had no, they had no clue what God was going to be doing in their lives. They were actually going to be ushering in the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. It's in this passage. We're going to see that clearly. The Bible allows us to understand this concept, this concept, this idea of not knowing. You are involved, you and I are involved in a crisis, if you will, today. Because the sky is not necessarily blue over our heads, so to speak, right? We all have our share of difficulties. And somehow when we find ourselves in that moment, in that crisis, in that difficult circumstance, we are unable to grasp, unable to fathom the sovereignty of God for our lives. We often ask ourselves the question I posed earlier. Lord, haven't I committed my, my life to you? Then if, if I have done so... Why is it that I find myself in this difficult circumstance? Why am I going through this problem? Why am I sick? Why is my wife sick? Why are we dealing with financial difficulties today? Lord God, I committed myself. You told me long ago that you were never going to leave me, that you were never going to forsake me. Then why, Lord God, this this barren season of my life? Why this dry season in my life? Paul the Apostle says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them. And I think the challenge through difficult times is to somehow stay focused because God always has a plan for his people. Let's consider Naomi and Ruth's perspective um, perhaps during this difficult time. They, for Naomi, there was a famine in the land, in the land of Bethlehem. And we read about in the story how her family, Elimelech and, and Naomi, because of the famine in Bethlehem, they had to transition away. If they were going to survive, they had to pack their bags and they had to relocate. And those are difficult times. When you sow your roots when you invest your time, when you invest your sacrifices, and you rear up your children in a particular home, and now all of a sudden, because of financial, uh, a financial crisis in our lives, and you have to consider relocating, you have to consider moving away, like, Lord, how can we wrap our minds and our hearts around a circumstance like that? It's extremely difficult. Put yourself in their shoes. 
They moved from the land of Israel, from the land of God's people, to the land of the Gentiles. They went to Moab, out of all places. But they had to make a decision. The passage also allows us to use our imagination, because they were there for ten years, according to the Bible, right? They were there for ten years. I would imagine it was enough time for them to start a business. For them to raise up their sons, Malon and Chilion. We also read in the, in the passage that they got married. Their sons married as well. Wonderful things, right? So far, they made a decision to leave their homeland. They find themselves in the land of Moab. And now after ten years, they seem to go from bad to extremely bad to much worse. Why? Because the passage allows us to understand that Elimelech dies. And then it goes from bad to worse because Malon and Chilion, they also die. Can you imagine they leave a famine-stricken area only to experience death in another place? What a painful transition. Can you relate? Some of you can relate. Look at verse 20 with me in your Bible. I'm not going to read it, but I want you to look at it. Because a time came when Naomi hears word. She gets word from her homeland. Somehow now God begins to visit his people in Bethlehem. And she thinks to herself, you know what? I got to go. I want to go back home. I've always wanted to go back home. In fact, I never wanted to leave home. But we had to in order to stay alive. But now my husband is dead. Now my sons are dead. And now God is visiting his people and I want to go back home. She gets back home and everybody realizes that it's Naomi. Naomi is back. Naomi. And she basically essentially stops them right on their track. She said, don't call me Naomi because it means pleasant. Call me Mara because it means bitterness. Can you imagine her state of mind? Can, Can you imagine what her perspective was concerning God? At that, at, that, at that season of her life, of her life. When we experience transition, we have to somehow make sure, and this is not one of my points, but I, I'm feeling led to say it at this time. We, when we're transitioning, we have to somehow make sure that we stay focused on God. It's often difficult. I know what it's like. I've transitioned many times in my life. We, 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 we sort of yield our lives to abandoning the things that pertain to God, the perspective of God. When we're going through a crisis, we somehow lose sight of all the wonderful things that God has accomplished in our lives. When we're going through that wonderful period in our lives, when everything is wonderful, when everything is decorated with beauty, and the sky is seemingly blue over our heads every single day, thank you, Jesus, we shout hallelujah, we are able to praise the Lord, that's a season in our lives when we're able to give a little more often than not, right, but somehow when the rug is pulled out from underneath us, we lose sight of God, and then we start pointing the finger at God. And we start to lose sight of our identity. Because that's what happened to Naomi. She left knowing her identity. 
I'm leaving. This is going to be a temporary situation. My name is Naomi. I am a child of God. She's coming back. She's got her tail tucked between her legs, so to speak, and she's changed her name. Her name is now Mara. Call me Mara because God has been bitter with me. And that really wasn't the case at all. There was, in effect, an assignment upon her life. Let me submit to you that God is always in control. God's people, you need to hear that clearly this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with as an individual, as a family, as a community of believers, but God is always in control. Amen. God is always in control. But I want you to consider this. Naomi is leaving Moab, and now she has a burden. She has Ruth clinging to her because Ruth made the decision to refuse. She refused to stay back home. She says, I'm not leaving you. I need you. Go back. What do you want me to go back to? There's nothing but death back there. In spite of Naomi's setbacks, Ruth was still willing to tag along. Why do you suppose that was? Why do you think that is? Consider that in your mind. Can you imagine the influence that Ruth received from Naomi? You know, it was in the statutes of the law that as a Jew, you had to tell stories. You had to, you had to continue to perpetuate the wonderful experiences that you, that you as a people had with the Lord, etc., etc. And I could just imagine in my mind, I can imagine Ruth sitting by Naomi. And Naomi, as the years were passing, ten years to be exact, She's hearing these stories about how God delivered his people from Egypt, how God opened the Red Sea and the River Jordan and all those. Tell me more, Naomi. Tell me more about this God of yours. Tell me more. And it all served to change Ruth's heart. So when that when this transition for Ruth, when that season in her life, She had to make a decision to either go with Naomi or stay with what she had been used to all of her life. She abandoned everything. She abandoned her gods. She walked away from her mother and father. The passage says it. Not the one we read, but the other passage. When you leave here today, take the time to read the book of Ruth. Because it's going to further serve to encourage your heart. But I could imagine, talk to me more about your God. Talk to me more about the wonderful experiences of your people. Talk to me more about these divine manifestations of God. Talk to me more about your culture. Talk to me more because it's serving to change my heart. And Ruth, her mind was made up. I'm not staying. Remember, you you talked a lot to me about where Bethlehem is. I know exactly. I've never been there, but I know what it looks like in my mind's eye from all your stories. You're either going to lead me and I'm going to follow or you're going to get out of my way because I'm going to run you over if you don't. I'm not staying here because there's nothing for me here. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I'm going to live. Your God is going to be my God. Where you die, I'm going to die. You talk about an authentic conversion? That's it right there in the Word of God. No reservations. During the season of crisis in our lives, we have to make sure we are mindful of our identity in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm a child of God today. 
I don't know about you, in spite of my difficulties, my problems, my parents being ill right now, this is a, it's a very painful time. But see, I'm, I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. She turned her back on everything that she knew. Look at verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11. I got to race along. You there? Say amen. Chapter 2, verse 11. It says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done to your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, your Bible may say, in the land of your nativity, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. She forsook everything she knew. She surrendered everything. I'm going to serve your God. What a perspective. What, tra- what type of transition are you dealing with? We talked about the first one already. Church, pastoral transition. Church, transition. How about financial transition? Anybody struggling with finances here today? How about health? How about relationships? How about transitioning away from one job to another? A job you thought you were going to be able to hold down for the rest of your career. A job with all the perks, with all the trimmings, with all the, those good things that we, we, we want in terms of a job. And now you find yourself in a, in, in a dry place, as was the case for Naomi and Elimelech. And you have to move away from, you have to transition away. I submit to you like I did already earlier, God is always in control. Transitions are not easy, but God is always in control. First point is this. We must remain committed to truth. In spite of the circumstance, in spite of the situation... In spite of the pain that we feel when we're transitioning from one moment to the next, in spite of the difficulties in our lives, we have to remain committed to the truth of the Word of God. Because there's absolutely nothing else that possesses the capacity or the capability to enable us to endure through the difficult season in our lives. Family members are wonderful and great. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. We're going to talk about that next Sunday as well. Friends are good. Counselors are good. Pastors are good. Uh, Relatives are good. Children are good. Um, uh, Visiting a doctor. All those things are good, but it's a band-aid approach in comparison to our commitment to the Word of God. God is capable of doing extraordinary things in our lives in the midst of our transitions when we stay focused to the Word of God. Amen. Would you agree with me? There's absolutely nothing more important than the Word of God. Consider Naomi's influence of Ruth over Ruth. Ruth took ownership of the Word of God. No, it belongs to me. You're asking me to stay. That's not going to happen. You're either going to lead me or I'm going to run you over. Get out of my way because I'm leaving this place, Jack. I'm not staying. I'm on my way to a brand new place. I understand what I'm leaving behind. I understand what I'm forsaking. I understand that my parents are back there. My culture is back there. My livelihood, my inheritance is back there. But listen, I'm on a mission. I have a new vision in life because God has impacted my life. 
In spite of the difficulties that we go through, that's where we need to be as God's people, as God's children. Amen, somebody. Look at verse 16, chapter 1. Quickly. Verse 16, chapter 1. It says, but Ruth, re- Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. You talk about identity? Talk about identity. In Psalms 34, 8, you don't have to turn there. This is about this first point. Being committed to truth. It says, oh, taste to see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Proverbs 119, verse 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my... You said, I, I, I saw your lips. You, you, it came out of you. Your word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my... Is there anything like the word of God? Is there anything with more substance than the word of God? Is there anything that we can rely upon more than the Word of God? Are there any relationships? Can you fathom of a relationship with someone, a group of people, a host of people, that you can depend upon more than the unadulterated, inerrant Word of the Almighty Living God? Absolutely nothing. The Word of God has served to help me through some dire circumstances in my life. Born and raised in the streets of North Philadelphia. You're looking at a former gangbanger. You name it, I've done it. You name it, I've been through it. You name the crime, I'm guilty of it. I kid you not. But God, in His infinite wisdom, was able to reach into my life. All it took was, was, was for somebody to talk to me about Jesus Christ. That word, it sliced me and it diced me. It broke me. It brought me to a place where I had to make a decision for Jesus Christ. The word, it has that capacity. Nothing Like the word of God, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word, Lord God, will never pass away. Is there anything more important than the word of God? How about this one, John 17, 17. Jesus praying for his disciples, praying for you and I today as well. He says, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He didn't say cover them. He said sanctify them. It means to cleanse. It means to liberate. It means to deliver. It means to set free. It means to exalt. How about John 8.32? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let's move along. Point number two. Do not make light of godly relationships. Do not make light of godly relationships. No matter the difficulty you are dealing with today. No matter how barren, how dry the season in your life. No matter how dead it seems to be. It was the case from Naomi. It, it, the problem, the predicament she was in served to change her mindset concerning God. To the point where she changed her name. Maybe one day, my buddy Tim is going to do a contrast between the two women. How about that, right? Tim, <laughs> I just gave you an assignment. Can you imagine? They, they, they differed in perspective. 
Naomi lost her identity in Christ, if you will. Right? She lost her identity. Call me Mara, meaning bitterness. But yet, Ruth was undeterred. The reality is that God uses people to fulfill His plans in our lives. Naomi discovered Ruth, listen to this, Naomi discovered Ruth for the fulfillment of God's will for her life. And Ruth discovered Naomi for the same reason. Watch this. And, and I, we'll get to that in the next point. But listen to this one verse. One of my favorite verses, I like to share it all the time. And we're talking about, the point here is, do not make light of godly relationships. In the midst of your crisis, in the midst of your transition, it is imperative as a child of God to stay close to someone. The more the merrier. Isn't that the case? In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12, it says this. It says, one standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. It says three is even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. It's talking about a support group. When you're going through difficult times, you need Someone there by your side, someone that you can confide in, someone that you can talk to, someone who's not going to put your business on Twitter or on Facebook, someone you can share your intimate difficulties with. It's going to help you. Other women back there are laughing at me. They're laughing at me. Mm, I know somebody like that. I talked to, I talked to him or her. Now my business is all over California. Everybody knows my business. Isn't it true? That's exactly how faith, listen, my encouragement. Stay away from Facebook. Don't put your business out there because people in Philadelphia are going to learn about your difficulties. You don't want that. You need somebody that you can count on. Somebody with backbone. Somebody that's mature in the things of God. Someone who is stable. Someone you can confide in and is reliable. We all need somebody like that. Amen. How about, how about this next verse? Hebrews 10.25. We are encouraged by the author of the book of Hebrews not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It means we need one another, especially during a crisis season in our lives. We, you need one another. But what is it about the circumstance, the difficulty, the predicament, that when we're going through it, the one thing that we default to the most is to isolate ourselves. And oh, how that complicates the situation. How that complicates the transition that you find yourself in right now. And I'm talking to you as a congregation. If you isolate yourself and you're, and you're guilty of murmuring and criticism and gossip and all of those things that come with losing perspective in the midst of the transitional period, listen, you're going to, it's only going to serve to, to, to further, to enhance the crisis, to make things more difficult. And it just does not have to happen. Stay focused. Stay connected with one another. It's imperative that we stay, t stay connected as God's people. Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, Elder, Elder Ron, I, I, I'm 
I just, I need to talk to somebody. I'm experiencing this transition that we're in as a congregation. It's too much for me to, to handle. I, I need, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my perspective. Brother Tim, I need you to help me out here. Before I get to talking about so and so and doing this, that and the other, and God forbid moving away, I need you to help me with, with this crisis that we're in as a congregation. You need to get together with one another like that if necessary. Don't fold your hands and close your Bibles and walk away from the church of God because that's not the answer. It's just not the answer. Remember what I started off with. God is always in control, especially when it does not appear to be the case. God is always in control. We're going to see that clearly with this next point. I got to... I gotta, I got a speed read. This next point, if you're writing down, is endurance. Now track with me here because this is extremely important. Extremely important. Endurance. There's nothing more important than for God's people to commit and to stay committed. Remember, remember Ruth's story. She committed to go to Bethlehem. She forsook everything. When she got there... Almost immediately she got a job. She found favor with her kingsman redeemer. Ron is going to preach about that one day very soon. Kingsman redeemer. You, you just wait, wait for the message. It's coming. She married and she gave birth to a son. Listen. She gave birth to a son. Then she gave birth to another son. Follow me here. Then she gave birth to another son. And then another son. And turning your Bibles really quickly to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew, Mateo capítulo 1, versículo 5. Matthew 1, verse 5. Because you have to see this. She gave birth to a son. You have it, say Amen. It says, Solomon was the father of Boaz, we read about him in the book of Ruth, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Did you see the connection there? No, some of you missed it. Some of you are like, talk to me, preacher, I don't, I don't get it. Talk to me, preacher. I don't, I don't understand what you're doing, what you're saying. Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You need some more information. I see it. I see it. Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Ruth, who we're reading about, a Moabite, a Gentile woman, is found in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Which means that because of her determination, the point is endurance. Because of her commitment, she one day gave birth to Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus came from her loins. Did you see it now? Oh, you still need some more information. Can you, can you get it? Say, let me see your hand if you see it. Let me see your hand if you see it. I'm reading your eyes. I'm trying to read your eyes. My wife is teaching. She's an expert in sign language. And that body language, she, you know, she interprets body language. I'm trying to do the same here this morning. She ultimately gave birth to the Son of God. She was faithful. She was faithful through her crisis. 
think of the passage in the book of Ruth again. It was difficult. We can't make light of leaving our homes. We cannot make light. She left her mother and father back home in Moab. That's a big deal. She, no, I'm following this woman. I'm following Naomi. She don't want me to go, but I'm going to go anyway. She influenced my heart. She influenced my mind. I'm no longer the same. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God now. Her God is going to me. My God, I'm going to go wherever she goes. I'm going to live wherever she lives. And where she dies, that's where I'm going to make sure somebody buries me one day in the near future as well. I'm, my mind is, is made up. No reservations. I'm going. I'm going to follow the Lord. Yes, this is a crisis that I'm involved in, but I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what it takes, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen, somebody. It's about endurance. It's about remaining steadfast in the things that pertain to God. We know what the vision is. The vision is that I'm a child of God. He, Jesus came to save sinners. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now the mission is to live out the rest of my life in the things that pertain to God. And it's not always easy to unpack this vision, to make sense of the, the, the mission that is. But we have to stick to it no matter what we go through, no matter what you experience, no matter how many bumps on the road. You have to stay faithful to God because He will remain faithful to you and I. You think not? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24. It says, faithful is he that promised who also will do it. Those are absolute terms. Faithful is he who promised who also will do it. What, God, what, what, what has God promised you lately? What has God promised you as an individual or as a congregation, as a community of believers in the recent past, a year ago, what have you? What, had God, what has He promised to you? You think not? You think He's not going to be faithful in fulfilling that promise in your life? Listen, you can take it to the bank because He's going to cash it in. I'm telling you, it's going to work. The Bible, the Word of God works. How about Galatians 6, verse 9? It says, In due season we shall reap if we... Let's try that again. It says, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. No te desmayes. Mantente fiel. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. How about Joshua 1.9? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you wherever you go. He's with you during this transition. He's the one responsible for it. You talk about pruning. It's necessary to prune. That's just one concept. That's that's just one idea. We don't know what God is up to. Has he given anybody a backstage pass to see what he's doing behind the scenes? No, I I think not. It it requires faith. To serve the Lord requires faith, not intellectualism, not some academic perspective, not some philosophy, not some custom or some tradition. All those things somehow have their place, which I don't like. But still, faith is the determining factor in our lives as children of God. Faith, did you hear that? You plant your faith on the foundation of the Word of God. 
And you, you, you allow the Lord to do what is necessary in your life according to his word. Take your eyes or your, your ears off the voices in this world. One day I'll preach a message like that. It's going to be titled, Isms, Sophies, and Ologies. How about that? Political correctness. Oh, it's alive and well. It's alive and well. And what happens is that it causes us to take our focus off the things that pertain to God. When you lose sight of the Word of God, the foundation is, is somehow removed from us. And everything is unstable after that. Oh, hallelujah. It says, commit to truth. Because there is no higher standard. Commit to the friends around you. And endure. Stay in the fight. We shall reap in due season if we faint not. Transitions are not easy, God's people. But yet you find yourself in one. The solution is to remain faithful to God. Look to his word for the answers. Because it's the only place you're going to find them. Anywhere else, it's about deceiving yourself. Don't be fooled. The word of God is the answer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for the service this morning. And Lord, it is difficult. Boy, transitions, Lord God, are not easy. We go from one circumstance to the other and we lose sight of the things that matter the most. And we begin to question our identity then we question your existence in our lives. Transitions. Father, we need you in our lives during this season we find ourselves in. I pray your blessings upon this congregation, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, I know that it has suffered. I know that it has gone through some sticky situations, Lord God. But please remind them, Lord God, of how much you love them as a congregation. How you are the one responsible for their existence in the first place. You established a vision in their lives. And you're going to see them through the mission of the existence of their lives as well as this church. Father, I pray for comfort where comfort is needed. I pray for strength where it's needed. I pray you're anointed, the balm of Gilead, Heavenly Father, for you to minister to the wounds of the hearts that are represented here this morning. And perhaps those who are not here, perhaps they should be here. and are not, They're not here for whatever reason. And they need healing, Lord God. This church needs healing, Lord God. I pray this church to look to you in every way possible, Lord God. To be firmly rooted and planted in what thus saith the Lord. Because you intend to see them through. As was the case for Ruth. She ultimately gave birth. She's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She gave birth to Jesus Christ one day. Help us to understand that you have wonderful things in store for us, Lord God. You have wonderful plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. Wonderful plans. And you don't give us the backstage pass to see. Lord, what is it you're doing in our lives? But help us to know, Lord God, that if we remain faithful, we too will give birth to extraordinary things because of the Christ in us. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for allowing us.
for tolerating us, for loving on us, and for giving us the opportunity. I know our time is out, and we'll be leaving here in a few moments, but we're, planning, we're going to plan to hang around for just a little bit. If you want to, if you want to talk, we can. I, I really did hope for an opportunity in the beginning um, just to perhaps talk a little bit, you know, to share my heart with you a little bit so that you can get a better understanding as to who I am, what we are about, what we desire. Um, transition, you're not the only one in transition. Um, whether, I, whether I get the, uh, extended the opportunity to pastor this church or not, I'm currently in transition myself because I put myself in a position of considering the, the job. Therefore, I have a burden on my shoulders. My family and everything I know is in Philadelphia. Born and raised in Philadelphia. That's a burden and a half. But like Ruth, I'm willing. I'm willing for the cause of Christ. I love you guys. God bless you.